Believe it or not, there was a magnitude 7.7 earthquake and associated tsunami warning over the weekend. Although most of you probably aren't aware of it because the media was too busy talking about a storm that may bring death and destruction to the most important city in the universe. Or, you know, it could just be a little windstorm. It's October 29th, 2012. Unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America. Shunned by commercial radio. And running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the Zip Code Famous, Michael Graff Show. Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show for a Monday. Welcome in. We are here. Contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email and PayPal address, Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Grav Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Grav Show over on Google Talk. Michael Graff, the handle on Twitter. And for everything that could possibly be Michael Graff related, you know you can always go to the one and only michaelgraff.com. Listen to the podcast, sign up, subscribe, so that whenever we post a brand new show, you always get the notifications sent to you. You know, I'm just going to mention it one more time. You know, you can donate to us over there. Just saying. Oh, there was so much that went on over the weekend. I mentioned there was a tsunami. Well, look, a magnitude 7.7 earthquake happened off the western coast of Canada, triggering tsunami advisories from northern California all the way to the Aleutian Islands in Alaska. And then in Hawaii, they issued a tsunami warning. And this was this was crazy. This story broke at about 9 o'clock Pacific time on Saturday night. I was actually out. I was out uh, at Martini Ranch um, having an evening that really, I have to say this, and I hope since nobody was killed, I guess I can say this. Thank God for that earthquake and tsunami because otherwise I would have had nothing to do. I was out on Saturday night. I'm there with people that, you know, I mean, half of the people that were there who were my friends, I guess, no longer talked to me. So it was a very awkward evening. Um, maybe I'll get into that at some other point. But um, I'm sitting there basically by myself at this dance club. And you know me and dance clubs. I'm sending text messages. I'm going on and on about uh, what's what's happening because I have no idea. I, I'm just trying to get all the updates. And Twitter really came through. People in Hawaii were sending out tweets, letting us know that there are sirens going off on the beaches. Uh, the news feeds were keeping everything pretty well updated. And then it turned out that uh, the tsunami that they were worried about was, well, there was some one to two foot waves. As far as we know, nobody was injured. Nobody was killed. 
uh, very minimal damage as far as anyone knows. Again, I've looked over all the reports and uh, the warning system seemed to work very well. People evacuated uh, right in the middle of a lot of weekend Halloween parties. But, uh, you know, sometimes life has a way of inconveniencing us. And uh, it was it was a, a crazy news evening. And then I kind of wondered, so I get home, it's about two o'clock in the morning, and I'm wondering how the major news outlets are covering it. Of course, I just collapse on on the couch and fall asleep. But uh, I did manage to have Fox News on for a little while, and I was flipping between Fox News and CNN. And, you know, they barely even got so much as a mention because they were too busy drooling over the possibility of a hurricane hitting somewhere in the Northeast U.S. Because as we all know, folks, the northeastern United States, most important part of the world, anything that could pos- if it could rain there, because that's what this is going to, you know, it's going to be. Uh, well, there's this storm. Who knows? That's the thing. It was Saturday night. We still had no idea what this storm was going to do. There was a lot of computer models that were taking it out to sea. Some of them were slamming it right into Delaware or D.C. or New York City. Some of them, you know, were just taking it straight north into Canada. So there was a lot of speculation. One thing we did know is that a big earthquake happened and absolutely no coverage was given to it. I, well, very little coverage. Uh, a few scant brief 10 second mentions uh, magnitude 7.7 earthquake off the coast of British Columbia. And now back to coverage of Hurricane Sandy. It could be a very devastating storm. I'm looking right now at the advisory maps as I'm sitting here in the early afternoon and I'm seeing tropical storm watches and warnings, hurricane watches and warnings. And all these extend from roughly Virginia Beach around through Delaware, um, New Jersey, up through uh, the New York area, Massachusetts, Connecticut, all the way around uh, the eastern, east central, northeastern seaboard of the United States. And of course, there's high wind watches, coastal flood advisories, flood advisories and flood watches. All of these posted because of the possibility of the storm surge. Um, there's obviously going to be some heavy rain from this system. There's going to be some flooding. There's going to be some destruction. There's probably going to even be some people that are killed. And I know on Friday, I did sort of downplay this a little bit. And I, I you know, blew it up into this whole thing, you know, this rant. But I have to tell you, when they sit here, when they, the media, uh, try to tell you that this is a storm we've never seen before. That's just full. You're full of crap. You're full of crap. We've seen it before. We saw this kind of a storm just last year. No, it didn't have the winter storm implications, but uh, Hurricane Irene, it hit late in the summer, uh, late August of last year. That storm certainly brought a lot of wind, rain, flooding. It stalled out over the Northeast. It just dumped 12, 14 inches of rain in some places. And so this is just last summer. Then, of course, there was the Nor'easter of 1991. Remember that storm? There was Hurricane Wilma that developed um, in the Caribbean and uh, and moved across Florida just in 2004. And it had, I think it had the lowest central pressure of any storm that's ever uh, happened in the Atlantic, in the Atlantic hurricane season. Had the lowest central pressure ever measured. And it affected uh, a wide swath of the eastern part of the U.S. So again, it's not like we've never seen these. Hurricane Gloria, 1985, I want to say, uh, so we've seen storms like this before. To say that we haven't, uh, we've never seen anything like this. That's just blowing it up. That's just being, speaking hyperbole. It's ridiculous. That said, 
It could be a very intense storm. I just don't think it's important or necessary to work people up into a panic over something that may or may not happen. You know, issue your evacuations, tell people of the possibilities, but to sit here and just worst case scenario this thing to death and tell us how there's going to be nothing but death and destruction. Oh my God, there are thousands of people could be dead. Yeah, some people might die from this storm. You know, somebody's going to try and drive across a flooded out bridge. Somebody's going to be hit by lightning. At least some bodies probably are going to be hit by lightning. Uh, somebody, some people are probably going to die because of down power lines. A tree is probably going to be knocked into somebody's house. I am not downplaying the possibility that there will be death. There will be some destruction, loss of property, loss of life from this storm. I want to make that very clear. But I am not going to sit here and tell you this is a global superstorm. This is something we've never seen before. I refuse to buy into that kind of a hype. All right. I just... And there's going to be some snow that develops on the backside of this cold front that's moving uh, from Canada, which that part of the system has very little to do with Sandy. But uh, the rest of it, you know, the the east side of that cold front, yeah, it's going to be bad. And, and there's going to be some rain, some wind. Uh, there's going to be flooding and uh, there could be a lot of power outages and it could disrupt a lot of things. All right. And it could even have implications on the election, believe it or not, even though the election is mercifully just eight days away. Uh, obviously, both candidates have interrupted some of their um, their campaigning because some of their events were on the East Coast and they're obviously not going to be able to go there and uh, campaign in some of those places. So it is affecting a lot of stuff, but I, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to go with the insane hype that everybody else is going with. And, you know, obviously the only reason that this is getting the hype that it is, and Carmen says this, and, and I agree, is because it's New York City. If it were affecting um, black people in New Orleans and Biloxi and poor white trash and stuff down there, it would get very little attention. It would get almost nothing. There would be just about zero coverage of this whatsoever. But because it's affecting the most important city in the universe, then uh, obviously it's going to get all the attention in the world. It's going to get all the media hype that it possibly can. So, you know, just like if, if a huge tornado ripped through Oklahoma City, like remember in 1999 when those uh, that tornado outbreak, that massive, one of the most powerful tornadoes ever went through uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, it got a little coverage, got a little attention. Uh, there was a lot more attention given to the storm after the fact, after it happened. And, uh, but really while it was going on, yeah, not that big a deal. But if that same storm were going on, they would have cut into every network live to show you a tornado that was ravaging New York City. Oh, Oklahoma City is just a bunch of dumb hicks. It's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of people that just live down. The I'm not calling you dumb hicks, by the way, if you live in Oklahoma City. I'm just saying if you live there, the media thinks you're just a bunch of yokels not worth covering. Unless a federal building blows up, there is no way you're going to get any attention in Oklahoma City. Even if, a, if an F5 tornado, which is what it was, plows through your city and does unprecedented damage to a fairly major metropolitan area, you barely get any attention. But if a Category 1 hurricane affects New York City, then it's all hell is breaking loose and it's just a media frenzy.
It's a category one hurricane. Not downplaying it, not saying people can't die, not saying that there can't be destruction, not saying that there can't be some flooding, not saying any of that. But it's still a Category 1 hurricane. We had a worse hurricane hit the Gulf Coast earlier this summer. What was that, a Category 3? And, you know, it affected New Orleans. It affected Biloxi, Mississippi, Mobile, Alabama. And yeah, some people from the various media outlets went down there to cover it. As soon as they saw that the levees held up, though, they were like, well, the levees held up, even though there were people that were killed. There were people that got flooded out of their homes. There was damage. There was destruction. Guess how much coverage it got? Yeah, about a day's worth. About a 24-hour news cycle's worth of coverage. And then that was it. No more. It's done. If it had, maybe if the levees had broken, well, I probably would have heard a little bit more about it. But we've been hearing about this storm possibly affecting the northeast coast of the U.S. Now, this this started last week about Wednesday when Sandy developed into a hurricane in the Caribbean. And it wasn't publicized widely that it killed 23 people in Jamaica. It was more about the possibility that, hey, this storm could move up the East Coast. Could, maybe, because some of the computer models said, hey, maybe it could affect New York City. So that started last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. And here we are. We're on Monday. The storm is still not due in until tomorrow and into this Wednesday. And we're still, we're, we're giving it funny names, Frankenstorm. We're talking about how it could uh, be the most destructive thing ever. And the, the, the bottom line is because this storm is affecting the white folks and the, the rich people in the Hamptons crowd in New York City, that's why it gets all the coverage. You know, the poor black people in New Orleans, the poor white trash, the poor folks, the, the folks in the less populated areas. Well, sorry, your storm doesn't really merit that any, any coverage. You know, you, you, you had your hurricane earlier this summer. We, we gave you a day's worth. That's all we gave you. Sorry, folks. But rich people, white, white people, uh, New York City people, Hamptons people, Manhattan, the, the jewel of the world, that is where all the coverage needs to go. Okay. I guess we'll continue to monitor this situation and see if all the hype around this storm was really warranted or not. We'll find out for sure within the next 24 to 36 hours. In the meantime, turning our attention to Major League Baseball, the San Francisco Giants for the second time in three seasons are World Series champions. Last night, they defeated the Detroit Tigers to complete a four-game sweep. It was a 4-3 to three final score in 10 innings. Marco Scudero... That's right, Marco Scudero with the big line drive, the RBI base hit in the top of the 10th inning to drive in the go-ahead run, and that was all she wrote. Miguel Cabrera, the Detroit Tigers, a big triple crown winner, he was standing there, struck out to end the game and end the season for the Detroit Tigers, and uh, the look on his face, I mean, it was just, it was like these guys just got hit by a truck. I expected the Giants to win this series in seven games, although I wouldn't have really been surprised if the Tigers won it either. They do have the best pitcher in all of baseball in Justin Verlander, who really uh, did not have a good showing in game one and only got to pitch once in this series. And um, ultimately, that was it. I mean, that was that was it for the Tigers. When, when they lost game one with Verlander on the hill, you knew that this was probably going to get ugly for them very quickly and it did they left san francisco down two games to none 
And going back to Detroit, it was a must win on Saturday night. They could not pull it off. Um, you know, they only gave up the two runs, but um, they just, they look terrible. I, I really was surprised. Prince Fielder looked more like A-Rod in this series. And Miguel Cabrera, you know, he wasn't, uh, he, he did have the big home run last night. And um, I was I was really surprised, though. I was surprised that uh, this series ended in a, in a four-game sweep. Had you told me that at the beginning of this series, I would have said absolutely no way does either team sweep the other. And, uh, well, there you go. I'm going to be sad now because the Major League Baseball season is over. I've got nothing to watch sports-wise uh, for the next several months. I'm certainly not going to sit down and watch the Phoenix Suns because that is going to be a disaster. Although, for you degenerate gamblers out there, let me just give you a tip right now as we're sitting here October 29th, 2012. All right. If you plan on making a little trip to Las Vegas in the next couple of days and you want to put down a sports bet that is going to return on your investment big time. Here we go. This is the Michael Groff betting advice portion of the program. Go ahead and go to a sports book and tell them you want to go under 35 total wins for the Phoenix Suns or 34 and a half total wins for the Phoenix Suns this season. They will not win. They'll be lucky if they win 20 games this year. But you can go ahead and just spend the money like you already have it. Bet your house. Go under the 35 or 34 and a half games for the Phoenix Suns total number of wins this year. What that means is if the Suns win less than 34 and a half games, you win your bet. If they wind up winning more than that, you obviously lose. Now, you're going to have to wait till the end of the season to cash that in. You're going to have to wait till April. But I'm telling you right now, as they say, you can move on this as if it's already been played the entire season. That's right. 34 and a half or 35 wins, whatever you can get. I'd go with the highest number possible. Shop around for it. But uh, that's the degenerate gambler portion of the program. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And uh, go ahead, cash in, win. We'll have more gambling tips from time to time. We drop in a good one for you. And, uh, you know, uh, the record on this show, most of them have paid off. Although now that I've said that, the Suns will probably win like 55 games and go to the playoffs or something. Uh, that's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. Seriously, go to Las Vegas. Make that bet right now. I would go and do it. I'm telling you right. I've got, um, I don't know. I've got maybe, I don't know how much money I've got on me right now. I would go to Vegas. I would take whatever money I had in my wallet right now. Whatever money I had in the bag account, just boom, just dump it on there. Why not? It's a degenerate thing to do, but hey, uh, it's what makes it's what makes the country go around. All right, we have uh, new polling data out. It's Monday. We have more polls, and guess what? They're about the same. They are virtually unchanged from Friday. Right now, still showing fifty to forty-six in the latest Gallup poll for Mitt Romney. Still showing fifty to forty-six for Rasmussen. Uh, showing well, this one actually that's from yesterday, I guess. Nevertheless, uh, let's see. I, I, I thought I saw a CBS News poll where Romney was trailing Barack Obama. I, I don't have it here in my notes now, but I saw this uh, yesterday also that, yep, there's a CBS News poll. Uh, Romney trailing by one vote but or one percentage point. But, of course, that is still within the 3% margin of error on the poll. So... The polls continue to show this very slight edge for Mitt Romney as we head down the home stretch here with just eight days to go. And the electoral votes, well, it's still, look, it's all still a toss-up. 
you can definitely lose the popular vote and still win the election and vice versa. Uh, well, it's happened before, technically speaking. So uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I've, I really thought I've been able to have a good sense of where this is going. And I really thought I, I had this in the bag when I said Obama would win. Uh, this was back even two years ago. And I'm not really entirely sure. This is a going to be a photo finish. We'll see. And, you know, maybe these polls are all wrong and maybe it's just going to be a election night blowout. Maybe we'll find out by eight or nine o'clock Pacific time who the winner is. That has happened before also. Somehow I doubt it. I think this is coming down to the very end. And I will I will make this prediction as well on the show. If Mitt Romney wins the election, the Democrats will throw a fit. They will contest Ohio. They will contest Florida. They will issue uh, subpoenas. They will try and use the court system. They will go after the state of Pennsylvania and they will allege voter inconsistencies and voter suppression and minorities weren't able to get their votes in and blah, blah, blah. You know that that's what's going to happen. If somehow Mitt Romney wins, that is what will occur. And they'll somehow make it about a racial issue. You know this is what's going to happen. I'm predicting that right now because the Democrats have been building up this excuse for the last month or two. They see that President Obama has lost his lead in the polls and now actually trails Mitt Romney by a couple of points in many of the polls. So, of course, they've been building up this excuse for the last couple of months. Well, in Pennsylvania, they're trying to suppress the vote. They're actually having the nerve to make people get IDs before they go to vote so that they can verify that it's a legitimate vote. The nerve of them! How dare they have an ID to go vote? How dare they make people get an ID? Because, of course, as they their, their argument is, it hurts the poor, it hurts the minorities, and it hurts the elderly to make them have to do that. That's who they're suppressing. Oh, and the disabled. Look, I got news for you. If I had to go and get another ID, I could go and get another ID. You go down to the DMV, you, you go there, you get another ID. Not very difficult. You bring down your social security card or other ID f uh, forms, your birth certificate or whatever you got, and that's how you get a new ID. Or if you have to get a new voter ID, a voter registration card, you go to the county clerk's office, you get another one. Boom. You can do it online. This whole idea that, oh, having to present ID or a voter registration card somehow suppresses the vote. It doesn't. What are you saying that just because you're elderly or disabled or a minority, you can't go down and get yourself a voter registration card or an ID card? How condescending is that on the part of the Democrats? Well, uh, you know, uh, if you're a minority and they're making you get an ID, that's inherently racist. That's what it is. It's racism. It's voter suppression. No, it's called making sure that the votes are legitimate. There's nothing wrong with that. When, uh, when I, man, I remember as a kid, as a kid or 18, 19, 20 year old, and back when you actually used to go to the video store to rent videos, they'd make you present your ID to rent a video. It's a friggin' video. So casting a vote, which is, I would say, far more important and a far bigger deal than renting a video to make you show ID. Gee, I don't really see a problem with that. It doesn't inconvenience people. Most people should have IDs. You have to have an ID to drive a car. You have to have an ID to, oh, wait, um, maybe if you're here illegally, though, uh, well, hmm. 
Well, never mind then. <laughs> we wouldn't want to make sure that the votes are legitimate. And I know that there's all these accusations that the Republicans are up to improprieties and whatnot. Democrats are up to the same thing. Both sides are trying to do things. As I said last week, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And it's only cheating if you get caught. You know that's what happens. It's a system that's set up the way it is. It's the, Unfortunately, it's just another one of the hurdles of the two-party system. Incidentally, the Free and Equal Elections Foundation, freeandequal.org, they will be hosting another third-party debate. It will be the night before election night. It'll be uh, November 5th. That'll be next Monday, a week from today, November 5th. Um, and they you, you got to vote online between the two of the four third-party candidates you wanted to see square off in the second third-party debate, and the people decided on Jill Stein and Gary Johnson, the Green and Libertarian Party representatives, respectively. They will be squaring off on freeandequal.org. You can go and watch it again next Monday night. I know, I'm just trying to bring in a third-party perspective here. There are other viewpoints out there than just Republican and Democrat. Believe it or not, I know the media has told you otherwise, or they haven't told you, whichever. They've been omitting the fact that there are other viewpoints, but you can go and check it out at freeandequal.org or rt.tv or any one of many other resources uh, next Monday night. So Gary Johnson, Jill Stein, and I have a lot of respect for both of them, even though I don't necessarily agree with Jill Stein's politics, and I've made it very clear I'm voting for Gary Johnson, I have a lot of respect for Jill Stein. I have a lot of respect for her to be able to stand up to the establishment of the, the two major parties. She got arrested for daring, for having the gall to go into a debate and try and get her voice heard. So I have a lot of respect for her. And I'm very glad to see that um, she's still around and she's going to be uh, debating Gary Johnson next Monday night. So I will have a complete report on that next week. As you know, you can always get an outlet here for not just the D's and R's, but for anything that is election related, any candidate. Uh, we don't shy away. Yeah, I really haven't talked about Roseanne's candidacy. You know, she's on the ballot. Roseanne, I'm talking about Roseanne Barr. You know, she had that, uh, she had the show, the Roseanne show, and she did butchered the national anthem at the Dodgers game about 23, 24 years ago. Made a big... Uh, deal about that and so yeah Roseanne is even on the ballot yeah I'm not talking about her I don't even know what party she's on that is one candidate I really don't know much about I will admit <laughs> and you're not going to get a lot of information I will tell you though she's on the ballot in a few states and if you really want to vote for her um, you know hey be my guest I would vote for her over Barack Obama or Mitt Romney I'll tell you that I would vote for Roseanne before either of those two she probably would be a better president I would never ask her to sing. Um, if she took the, the, you know, when she puts her hand up and, and takes the presidential oath of office, as long as she doesn't sing, that would have to be incorporated into it as well. All right, now I've got to take a break. And before I do, I just want to say something here real quick. First of all, as you may have noticed, we have a brand new intro on the show. Very happy about that. But this particular edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show will be a little different also because today, random bumpers on the show. Now, that can be a little bit dangerous, but uh, yes, I'll just hit a button and a random song from the vast music library that we have here, which spans tons of different genres of tunes, 
And, uh, you know, I would uh, normally I pick out all the bumpers that you hear on the show. They're either related to a specific story or are reflective of a thought or mood I'm thinking at the time or just a song that I like. And so I want to share it um, or it just sounds cool in the show. But uh, on today's program, it's a little bit different. It's just completely random. And uh, I will I, I have to regardless of what it is, it could be Barbie girl. It could be anything. And I have to play it as if it were a normal bumper. So you're going to get, you know, 30 seconds, a minute of whatever it is that comes up. Like, for example, this normally would never play a Godsmack bumper. Nothing against Godsmack, but I don't know. I could put this in the rotation, actually. Anyway, coming up, a lot of stuff happening. A three-year-old is tased. Madonna says something stupid and in the middle of the media blitz surrounding Hurricane Sandy, it's nice to see that they were able to find an expert to talk to us all about it. A zombie pirate. I'm not making this up. The uh, a, the local Fox affiliate in D.C. interviews a zombie pirate. Yeah, we've got the audio. We'll play it. It's all coming up. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Monday. Segment number two, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Gruff Show on a Monday, October the 29th, 2012. Random bumpers on the program today, ladies and gentlemen. Why else would we go from Godsmack to Real McCoy? Had a hit from 1994. Yeah, I remember this song because we had a foreign exchange student in my uh, world history class sophomore year. And... He was from Bulgaria, and apparently in Bulgaria, this was like the most popular type of music, this, you know, sort of cheesy, early, mid-90s dance, like this and like La Bouche. And this guy, every chance he got, this guy would incorporate this. Like, uh, we uh, we did a uh, class project, and he made like a, a video, and he always worked these kind of songs into his videos. It was, uh, that's why... That's the memory I have associated with this song. Like sophomore year of high school. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, spinning all the jabs. It's uh, 1047 Kiss FM, your number one music station, if this were 1994. 
right. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address for this program. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Groff related, it is the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com. While you're there, you can make a donation to this program. You can check out our Twitter feed. You can listen to all of our current and previous shows. You can post comments on any show that you like, don't like, whatever. Let me have it, rip me, or, you know, stroke my ego a little bit, or just leave whatever feedback you'd like on the programs. All of that can be done at the one and only MichaelGroff.com. All right, in the midst of all this Hurricane Sandy coverage that's going on, it's always important to know that the media is all over it. They're covering it, and uh, I guess they're taking the tag of all angles possible. So with that in mind, um, let me see if I can pull up the audio here. This is from uh, the Fox News affiliate or Fox affiliate in Washington, D.C., I guess they're doing a report and, um, you know, they're, of course, every single news outlet, they have to have a reporter that's out there standing right near the ocean. And even when, when the wind gets really bad, there's always somebody out there that does it. The Weather Channel, of course, specializes in this. They put people right in the middle of the weather because it's very important that people at home see just how bad the storm is. I'm out in the middle of... Let me see if I can... Let's do it this way. Here's prop humor. I'm, uh, I'm out here... In the middle of middle of Hurricane Sandy, the winds right now gusting 50 miles an hour at least. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, yeah, we're out as you can see because we have to have a cameraman. We have to be out in the middle of it just so you know that in fact there is a storm going on. And uh, oh boy, and uh, I am out here right now. And oh well, that was a, that was a TV set that went flying by. Uh, I would have looted that had I not been doing this report. In any event, um, we have to have a camera out here, and you have to see that it is in fact um, over here behind me. You can see that it's raining. Now we've been talking to people for the last several hours. They've never seen it rain before. So anyway, they, that's that's what they have to do. They have to have somebody out there so that you do in fact see that there's rain and wind going on at any given moment. And um, I don't know. And of course it's dangerous. Every once in a while, somebody gets hit with debris. Uh, I don't know of anybody that's actually been killed out there, but I know people that have been injured. So they have somebody that's out there in the thick of it. And, you know, it's in this particular um, report, there's some rain going on, a little bit of wind. And they find somebody to talk to. And it's a good thing because I was, I was hoping that the local Fox affiliate in Washington, D.C. could track down an expert to talk to us about what's happening with Hurricane Sandy and that's just what they do and here's the report before this storm gets bad later in the day now we did have a guy and I can do this because it is still quite calm here but come on in here we have a visitor who's just uh just happened by uh, a zombie I guess right yeah well I'm a pirate uh I've been at this for a few years <laughs> so you're a pirate I apologize um and and what are you doing you just out <laughs> checking things yeah, I, I've been guys dressed in up in a pirate zombie costume. Six hundred and fifty years, and um, this is probably the worst storm I've, you know, I'm expecting. Well, and a pirate, I would think, wouldn't be all that scared of a storm, right? Oh, uh, you. Well, how do you think I died? <laughs> wow. And what, in all 
seriousness, I mean, you are just kind of taking a peek at this, and then you're going to head inside to safety, right? Oh, absolutely, and it's no time to be out here in the rain. It's uh, time to head home. And then, uh, I hate to ask and seem tacky, but um, do you need a Halloween costume then in a few days after this storm clears, or are you kind of good to go? Well, sometimes I dress up uh, a little bit more, you know, like a Barbie or something, but uh, it's hard to find a costume. Right, and make it fit and work. Right, right. All right, Mr. Pirate, I appreciate your help, and get home to uh, safety, okay? Uh Uh-huh. All right, take care. Again, uh, you know, kind of a light note out here, but this is a very, very serious situation and a storm that needs to be taken seriously. As I said, we're seeing a few people kind of wandering by, but we hope those people are going to be heading home as the worst of this rolls in. Alexandria, obviously prone to flooding, and this is going to be a very, very serious situation as the day continues. Live right along the Potomac in Old Town Alexandria, I'm Beth Parker. I have to tell you, that's just... BP, it is nice to have those moments, though. Thank you very much. I couldn't resist. I know. (laughs) This is a storm that has to be taken extremely seriously. So we're going to interview a zombie pirate so that, you know, you can really understand that we are, in fact, uh, taking this storm uh, very, very seriously. Um, uh, Lest anyone think that we're making a mockery of what's going on. No. No. We are taking this storm uh, extremely serious. We are we are giving it the hardcore news uh, attention that it merits. Thank you, thank you to the local Fox affiliate in Washington D.C. for providing that. <laughs> How do you think I died in the first place? Okay, well, you know, hey, it's fun. It's funny. You can say that I'm downplaying it a little too much, but at least I'm not sitting here making fun of of the fact that people might die. I actually, you know, open it up to the legitimate possibility that people will die from this storm. Um, I'm making fun of the coverage, but I'm not making fun of the fact that people would die. You know, so I'm I'm an asshole, but I'm not a complete douchebag. I think that's that's the difference that we need to have here. Speaking of a douchebag, uh, of course, it's been about two weeks since we've talked about Madonna doing something stupid. So, yes, folks, a Madonna update. Um, Madonna... As you know, a couple weeks ago, she gave a concert at the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado. And aside from being three hours late for her performance, she opened up the show with a scene, a little gunplay action where she, you know, there was a pretend gunfire. And that didn't sit well with the people of Colorado who were still a little bit leery after the Batman theater shooting that happened over the summer. So you figure after something like that, Madonna would probably calm down and, you know, revert back to just doing her concerts and not being weird. Well, if you actually thought that, then then you're dumber than the news affiliate that interviews a zombie pirate in the middle of a major hurricane. Uh, nonetheless, Madonna, she was out again. This time, she was in New Orleans. And she drew booze and triggered a walkout by several concert goers after she touted President Barack Obama on her MDNA tour. Yes, the material girl was asked during Saturday night's performance. She, she uh, got up there and, you know, in between songs. I don't know why uh, artists do this. This is like rule number one. Don't do this. Madonna gets up and she's addressing the crowd. I'm sure, you know, so it was like, all right. Um, who's registered to vote? I don't care who you vote for as long as you vote for Obama. That's uh, that's what she said. 
I don't care who you vote for as long as you vote for Obama. Drawing booze in touting Obama over Republican Mitt Romney, Madonna then followed with, <laughs> seriously, I don't care who you vote for. Do not take this privilege for granted. Go vote. How about just sing like a virgin and shut the hell up? Of course, uh, Madonna, you know, aside from just the Denver incident, she also, I guess she was in Paris in July and she drew ire when a video showed a swastika on a politician's forehead. So she was doing like some some thing, something to compliment one of her songs on, on a video monitor behind her. And one of the uh, videos showed a, a swastika over a politician's head. Why do people get so political when they do these concerts? Artists, this is what you should do as an artist. I, I said the same thing to the Dixie Chicks. I've said the same thing about several of these people that have really screwed their career up because they can't keep their mouth shut. People aren't there to hear your political agenda. As much as you might think that you, since you're a musician, you suddenly have carte blanche to just go out there and say whatever you want and not have to worry about the repercussions. Guess what? You do. And when you're an artist, just go up there. People are there to pay to hear you sing. They're paying to hear your, your band play, if you have a band, for example. They're not there to hear your political opinion. If people want political opinions, they'll go to parties and social gathering among their friends and families where politics are regularly discussed, even if they shouldn't be. That's where they'll hear politics. They don't want to hear it when they go to a concert. And you can say, well, protest songs and all that. Green Day does it. Look, Green Day works it into their songs. They they don't sit up there very often, at least, and, and just... I want you to go out there and and vote for Obama. Well, they're too busy actually sitting up there and talking about how the concert venue is screwing them over or the concert promoter is screwing them over because they promised them X amount of time and then they didn't deliver and then they just go into a, a rant and shatter their instruments. <laughs> so once again, Madonna does something stupid. Really, when you're tasked to perform someplace, you're an artist, you get paid to perform, just perform, sing the songs and get off the stage and collect your check and laugh all the way to the bank. Don't start espousing political opinions. It sank the Dixie Chicks. They go over to London. They say something bad about President Bush. They had a song on the chart at the time. They had that song Landslide. It was on the chart. It was number two on the chart at the time. And then about a week and a half later, two weeks later, it was down to number 98. That's the problem. When you open your mouth and you say something, you're, you're automatically going to probably piss off 50% of the people regardless of what you say. If you are pro-Romney, you're going to piss off half the people. If you're pro-Obama, you're going to piss off half the people. And if you mention anybody else, if you mention like Jill Stein, then I don't know, people will probably just, everybody will boo you except for like the one Green Party person there. So, I don't know. If you just sort of yell like down with the establishment, that's fine. But beyond that, why not just sing the damn songs? Why do artists feel that they need to do that? I'm here, I gotta get political. I don't, I don't know. I've never figured it out. I don't know. Well, but you know what happens is these artists, they get in front of a crowd and they start talking, hey, what's up? What's up, Phoenix? Yeah, we're having a great time now. Yeah! Hey, so uh, 
I was about to do another song, but I just figured I'm going to wander off script here and just start talking extemporaneously. Um, hey, how about those Republicans, huh? As soon as you do that, you're done. All right. Meanwhile, in other news, the Secret Service has expanded its operation to Twitter. I don't know if we talked about this much on the show a couple of weeks ago, but following one of the debates, there were a, a whole bunch of people on Twitter that started posting comments, anti-Mitt Romney comments, saying that they wanted to assassinate Mitt Romney and all this other stuff. Um, and I always wonder when people do that, you're almost guaranteed to get a knock on your door from some guys in suits and it's not going to be pretty. They're probably going to take you into custody. They're probably going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. And who knows, under the NDAA, you might just uh, you might just disappear, never to be heard from again or not to be heard from again for days. And that's probably something you don't want to take uh, a risk on. So the Secret Service is now looking into Twitter because Americans, uh, they, they're urging Americans to report on their fellow citizens whose tweets, quote, concern you. So the Secret Service, not only are they looking at Twitter, but they're recruiting people. They're saying to, you know, be vigilant. If you see tweets that concern you, then report said tweet to your nearest field office in your state. The Secret Service tweeted on October 23rd. The Secret Service has a Twitter. I thought they were secret. <laughs> they, have a, they have a Twitter account. I'm serious. The Secret Service tweeted on October 23rd uh, that uh, th this was their exact quote. To report a tweet that concerns you, call the nearest field office in your state. What's their handle on Twitter? I want to follow the Secret Service. Would that be, should I do that? Would that uh, be something I, I probably should avoid doing that? <laughs> I don't know. The agency then list, uh, links a list of contact numbers for field offices in each state. The Secret Service sent another tweet on Wednesday, again, asking for followers to report tweets. Contact your nearest field office with time-sensitive or critical info or to report a tweet, it said. The agency has accrued more than 44,000 followers since joining the social media platform on May 9th, 2011. Twitter surpassed 500 million user accounts around the world earlier this year, 140 million of which are in the U.S. 140 million Twitter accounts. I should remind you there are 307 million people in the U.S., although I'm sure a lot of people have more than one Twitter account. But, man, five... How many, how many followers? 500 million people are on Twitter worldwide. Or there's 500 million user accounts, anyway. 400 million of them are probably from India. All right. Twitter has become a popular platform for, for political engagement. As demonstrated by the surge in tweets during the three presidential debates, Twitter reported that the first matchup between President Barack Obama and his challenger Mitt Romney on October 3rd was the, quote, most tweeted about event in U.S. politics with 10.3 million tweets and as many as 158,690 tweets per minute. Quote, by comparison, during the 2008 debates between Obama and John McCain, only 500,000 tweets were created in total during all four debates. The first two minutes of the Obama-Romney debate saw two million tweets. 
In September, a North Carolina man was arrested for threatening to kill President Barack Obama on Twitter. So you see, that's what happens. Uh, just so you people know, and I, I want to make sure that we get this very, very clear um, for anybody that might be a little thick out there. Threatening to kill somebody online is a crime. Threatening to kill a head of state, the president of the United States, for example, or uh, any uh, foreign dignitary, whatever. Don't do it because it's probably not worth it. Yeah, I know some people, they, they get their booze on and then this is the, the worst part about smartphones and the ubiquitous nature of Twitter and, and smartphones and, and the internet. People get their drink on, they mix alcohol and politics and the internet and it's never pretty. I'm gonna, I wish somebody would shoot this, this President Obama and this Mitt Romney. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him. And then the next thing you know, some people knock at your door and you suddenly have like two, three, four guys in suits that whisk you away and they ask you questions for the better part of two straight days without the benefit of sleep. And they blast loud music in your face. And it's really not a pretty thing. I really don't recommend it. It's probably good just if you have a thought. You know what? If you're going to go out drinking, you might want to just turn your smartphone off. Leave it at home. Um, Don't bring your laptop. Just if you're going to drink, don't drink and tweet. Never mind drinking and driving. We're never going to stop that. If we could just stop the drinking and tweeting... We've heard of drunk texting. Don't drunk tweet. It really could turn out bad for you. Just so you people know, once again, I'm going to, this just public service announcement, um, threatening to kill a head of state, foreign dignitary, whatever. It's against the law. And speaking of things that are against the law, since you know, we're on the subject here, I guess, uh, might as well go to this story. As it turns out, I guess it's illegal to have a reality show in which you auction off your virginity. You know, I didn't know that. You know, I've learned something new already. Apparently, the director of a reality show in which a Brazilian woman auctioned her virginity could be charged with sex trafficking. Christina Migliarini is set to earn 490,000 euro from the online auction, which closed last Wednesday. The physical education student was taking part in a documentary by Australian filmmaker Justin Sisley. The winning bidder is a Japanese man identified as Natsu. The pair will reportedly sleep together on a plane between Australia and the United States to avoid prostitution laws. But yesterday, Brazil's attorney general, here's a name for you, Raul Pedro de Cebola Banderia del Mio Fio, ordered an urgent investigation claiming that whoever named him is a complete jackass and be sh- should be tried for treason. Also, he wanted to uh, look into the idea of people trafficking. So, you know, it was twin, twin killing there. Uh, in a letter to Brazil's foreign minister, uh, he said Mr. Sisley should be stopped from executing the crime and called an authority on authorities in Australia where Miss Miglione lives to revoke her visa and de- and deport her back to Israel for the exercise of prostitution. He said, quote, in principle, that looks to me like the crime of people trafficking, whose repression is provided for on international treaties. 
Now, this Japanese guy, Netsu, that won the, uh, the encounter with this wonderful woman, uh, he fended off strong competition from American bidders Jack Miller and Jack Wright, along with Indian big spender Rudra Chatterjee to secure the date with the 20-year-old. Well, Neo, I don't think it's really people trafficking or it's really not illegal if you bill it as a date. If you just sell a date and you happen to mention that you're a virgin, I don't really see how that can... Look, we, we have escort services, which, you know, offer a an escort. Even though there's really no mention of escorting at all, it's in-calls and out-calls and those kinds of things. Uh, and those are, for the most part, those remain open to this day and that you just make a donation and very clever ways of getting around the prostitution laws with those escort services. The thing I really wonder about this story and sort of what I wonder about guys in general, and I really don't get it, even though I am a guy and I'm supposed to understand these things, but I don't. What is so appealing about getting it on with a virgin? Really? Uh, wouldn't you want somebody that has a little bit more experience and can satisfy you? I mean, obviously, this dude, Netsu, if he's got all this money, he's probably had sex before. He's probably gotten it on with a virgin at some point in his life. I would assume. Maybe not. But who knows? But why in the world uh, is she that attractive that you're like, all right, I don't care, man. I'm just going to do it. And how many... There's so many questions I have about this story now. How many turns does he get? How many opportunities? How many passes does he get at this chick? Does he get just the one? I mean, because if that's the case, uh, I got to tell you, dude, um, you know, that's going to be a great 10 seconds and it's going to be something that she probably doesn't even, oh, you're already done. Okay. And I get half a million euro. All right. Well, what a deal. <laughs> half a million bucks for 10 seconds. Half a million euro for 10 seconds. Or, I mean, but I guess since they're going to be on a plane from Australia to the U.S., which is about a 17-hour flight, I guess they're going to get it on there. But who wants to get it on in a plane anyway? That doesn't sound... I, I realize the Mile High Club and there's an appeal to that, but I don't know. If you're going to go all out to get a virgin, if you're going to go out of your way to have sex with a virgin, why not make it a little bit better experience? I mean, I, I know you don't care about her experience, but you know, if you do, if you just decide that maybe you give a little bit of a crap, maybe... Maybe something other than a plane. And you, know, and you can just tell if the, if the police try to arrest you, if there's any kind of law enforcement that gets involved, just say, look, we have a, a date. We went on a date. And it's a volunteer. It's a voluntary donation that I'm making for 490,000 euro. It's certainly legal to do that. And, um, and there you go. I mean, the escort services get away with it. So why not? Coming up, more ways for you to subvert the law right here on the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Actually, uh, do have to take a break, and then we'll get to some more stuff. Oh, that means time for another random bumper, ladies and gentlemen, because that's what we're doing on the uh, program today. It's random bumpers. Yeah. All right. Coming up, more of the Michael Grob Show stupid news file. A three-year-old gets tased. Uh, yeah, somehow. And there's a detail in the story that's omitted, but uh, I happen to have a little bit of uh, inside information on it because I am quite the investigative journalist. I'll get you that. Plus, just anything else that happens to come up, it is the one and only Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show. 
Segment, the Zip Code Famous Michael Graves Show on a Monday, October 29th, 2012, as we're watching Hurricane Sandy and this uh, very large low-pressure system that has engulfed the eastern third of the U.S., especially from about uh, Kentucky, Indiana to uh, east, through the Carolinas, Virginia, all the way up toward Maine. And even into southern Canada. As I understand it, it, it rains and there's like hurricanes and stuff this time of year. Nevertheless, I want to make sure that I emphasize this point that, uh, you know, this is still a dangerous storm. 23 people were killed in the Caribbean. And uh, right now, as I as I look here, I think nine people from the Bahamas to New Jersey have been killed. So I think this storm now has claimed. Uh, actually, I, I believe that the official uh, death count from this storm is up to 35. Although I'm getting conflicting reports, so I'm not. I'm just waiting for one of the, these media outlets like um, Fox News or CNN. I'm, somebody's going to put up a, a death tote board eventually on these storms. You know that's what's going to happen next. Because they always want to uh, you know, tell you which one is the deadliest and which one is the most uh, costly. And it's a very, um, a very macabre sort of thing, a very uh, morbid sort of news cycle that we, we seem to be drifting into these days. All right, and got a couple other things to get into. Before I do that, let me just encourage you to go to the one and only michaelgraff.com for anything, all things really, Michael Graff related. You can post comments on this or any other podcast of ours. Leave your feedback. You can, of course, send me an email or message me or whatever. Check out the Twitter feed. It is up on our website also. You can make a donation to this program should you feel so inclined. And, you know, you just love this show so much and you want it to continue. And you'd love to just help a brother out. You know, hey, it's uh, it's all there. It's up and available to you at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Now, this is actually a pretty cool story. It's under the stupid news file, but I think it's actually kind of neat. A Subway sandwich worker hurled a pot of soup at a would-be armed robber wearing a ghost mask in Braidwood before chasing him away. Braidwood Police Chief Rich Garros said that it was 6.45 p.m. Friday when the employee leaving the sandwich shop at 290 South Front Street was forced back inside by the masked bandit. Quote, he pushed her down to the floor and kept yelling to open the register. A male employee threw a pot of soup at the suspect and they scuffled until the robber ran out to a black compact car. 
The employees were not injured, although the female was shaken up and taken to the hospital for examination. Uh, let's see. The suspect was a white man, six feet tall and about 250 pounds. So, you know, he loved his sandwiches. Uh, besides wearing the ghost mask, he was also wearing a white sweatshirt and black jeans. Police said that a woman was driving the getaway car. Garo said that the police were reviewing the security footage from Friday night. And if you have any more information, you're asked to call 815-458-2342. Who robs a subway? That's really the question. And who gets an accomplice to help them rob a subway? All right, baby, we're going to go out. We're going to go rob a subway tonight. Yeah, we're living large. We're going to get about 150 bucks out of the register. Oh, baby. We're on our way to Easy Street. I'm going to go rob a subway. Are you serious? That's like people that rob a convenience store. Of all the places to go, is it really worth it? Is it really worth a couple of years in the hole for robbing a subway? And now this guy, he's probably got burns all over him because this, uh, this worker boldly, I would say that's some balls to... Uh, an armed robber. Now, it doesn't say what kind of weapon he had, but for somebody to go in there and, uh, you know, rob the place and, and you just decide, you know what? Screw it. I, I, I'm not letting him walk out of here with the cash. So he throws a pot of soup at him. Good. I mean, that guy's the hero and the, the burglar, the, the would-be robber. Um, again, I'm sure that they're going to catch the guy eventually. And you gotta, you gotta believe that prison life isn't going to be so good for a person or for two people that try to rob a subway. We're going to get on easy street. We're going to go rob a subway. Yeah. How much do you think we're going to get? Um, probably about enough to go have lunch tomorrow. Where at? I don't know. Subway. Meanwhile, a three-year-old girl suffered a minor puncture wound Friday after she was struck by a barb from an electric stun gun fired by a patrolman running down a parole violator in an area near the Southland Plaza Shopping Center. Officers were chasing the man through the shopping center in the 600 block of Saturn Boulevard when one of them discharged the non-lethal compliance device in an attempt to stop him shortly after 3 p.m., according to San Diego police. The non-lethal compliance device. That is a very nice way to say taser. I think from now on, I'm going to say that. Cool. One of two barbs attached to the electrified wires on the weapon hit the suspect and the other, a nearby child who was with her parents, San Diego Police Department, Public Affairs Lieutenant Andra Brown said. The girl did not receive an electric shock. Everything was all right. The parolee at large continued trying to escape, but he was taken into custody moments later. His name was not immediately released. Uh, medics treated the child at the scene. Her parents displayed an understanding attitude about the mishap while interacting with police. So, at least for the moment, doesn't look like they're going to sue. Wait a minute, you mean they're not going to file a lawsuit because some people made a mistake and no harm was really done? Huh. Isn't that interesting? I thought that they would already have filed a, a $5 million wrongful puncturing charge against the police against the entire city because the police accidentally hit her as well now by the again i want to emphasize she was not tased she was not electric electrocuted in this nothing bad happened but uh, 
the non-lethal compliance device. That's good. I'll have to take that away. Oh, and the other uh, fact that was in this story that is missing is that this occurred right next to a Walmart. This is right outside of Walmart, the Southland Plaza. They opened a brand new Walmart there. It's noted because it's, uh, first of all, it's written by like a, a bunch of people that commented on this story said that uh, there's a Walmart there and that it is a frequent source of crime. I'll say this, the Walmart right by my house is the same way. It's affectionately known as the zoo. I have nothing against Walmart personally. Everyone in my family hates Walmart, but I have nothing against Walmart itself. It's just the clientele that goes there. If it weren't for the people that go to Walmart, Walmart would actually be okay. The problem is the Walmart right by my house has a police car that's parked outside uh, starting about 7 p.m. every evening up until about 3 a.m. It just sits right by the front door. I guess to stop would be shoplifters, uh, the drug trafficking that goes on there and uh, the stabbings. I'm, I know that they're down a little bit since uh, the police were there, aside from the time that the police got stabbed. But I, I do notice that, yes, they did indeed omit that little fact from the article. All right, and finally, we have this for you. A state Senate race in Maine is heating up over a Democratic candidate's World of Warcraft hobby. Yes, the Maine Republican Party is slamming somebody by the name of Colleen Lekowitz for her comments that she made while leading a bizarre double life as a level 85 orc in the online role-playing game. Quote, So I'm a level 68 orc rogue girl. That means I stab things a lot. Who would have thought that a peace-loving social worker and Democrat would enjoy that? Lekowitz once wrote in her gaming hobby on the liberal blog Daily Cost, the 48-year-old who plays an orc assassination rogue. Wait, who plays assassination, Spec? Really? I mean, come on. It's, it's subtlety or it's go home. Well, at least if you're doing PvP. I don't know. At least it used to be. Anyway, her name is uh, Santiago in the game. She is also accused of making incendiary remarks about Republicans, including the conservative tax activist Grover Norquist. Quote, now if you'll excuse me, I may have to go and hunt down Grover Norquist and drown him in my bathtub, she wrote. David Sorensen, communications director for the Maine Republican Party, said, told ABC News that Republicans are criticizing Lekowitz for her comments that she made while gaming. Not for gaming in itself, but because, um, well, because she's just an idiot. I mean, that's really why they're criticizing her. Who does that? I'm going to go on my blog and I'm going to write about how my orc, I, I want to I take a guy and drown him, and um, I don't really see what the point here was. I, I do, the fact that she plays World of Warcraft, I don't understand what that really has to do with it, aside from the fact that she mentions that she plays an orc, she plays a rogue, and she likes stabbing people. Well, that's what you're supposed to do when you play a rogue. You stab people. Maine Republicans have compiled the remarks, which Sorensen called, quote, unbecoming to a state senator on the website colleensworld.com. And as I'm sitting here reading this story, it's going through my head. Why would they even bring up the fact that she plays World of Warcraft? Yes, she has a blog where she writes about it and all that. 
if for no other reason than to just sort of disparage her. Oh, here's a 48-year-old woman that's playing video games. Got news for you. People of all ages, I've seen people that are 70 years old that play World of Warcraft. It is literally a game that people from age 6 to 86 play. It really is. It's one of those games. It's Video games are just becoming that way now. Video games are not just for teenagers or or toddlers or whatever. Gaming is just one of these things. The average gamer is anywhere from 30 to 40 years old now, depending on what study you read. There's so many gamers, too. The video game business is multi-billion dollars. So to bring up the fact that this chick is a gamer, listen, I think this is a, a pretty unhinged person. Uh, clearly, her comments are a little bit weird. Like, if you want to take someone and drown them, uh, that's probably not somebody that we need in a position of power, whether it's a state legislator or whatever. Nevertheless, I see what they're trying to do here, and I see that they're trying to lump gamers into this sort of category. It's very subtle. It's uh, some That's some nice journalism you got there. But I don't really agree with it. This is just clearly a whacked out person. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, actually. Oh, well. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And of course, for everything and anything that could possibly be Michael Groff related, you can always go to the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. You can make a donation to this program while you're there. You can listen to this and all of our previous podcasts from the last couple of years while you're there. You can post your comments, your thoughts on this show or any of the other shows that are there. Check out what other people write. You can look at our Twitter feed. You can make a donation to this program. And that's something that I think you should do. I'm going to just, I'm even going to have to insist that you go there and make a donation. I mean, that would just be the thoughtful, polite thing to do. There's just so much to do at the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. We will be back again very soon tomorrow, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Why not? It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show. Good night, everybody.